Morning, everybody. Uh, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. You know, when we opened up this building uh, not that long ago, I'm not sure that any of us could have really imagined that we would be <laughs> starting construction again in May of 2023. Just absolutely amazing. God is real, right? And so we would love to celebrate what God is doing with you. So in just two days, this Tuesday night, we're going to have our special groundbreaking ceremony. I would love to see you all out at it. It's going to be super fun. We actually want every family to bring their own shovel. Uh, I just feel like, okay, we all pick up an oar together, so we're all going to use a shovel together, okay? Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun to do that. So come here uh, Tuesday night, 6.30. Get here a few minutes earlier. There'll be a lot of people. want to make sure that you don't, don't miss it. Okay, and then the first phase of construction is kind of working on the existing building and also doing the kind of the vast expansion of our parking lot. And that's going to preclude us from meeting here for Sunday morning worship. And so for the next three and a half months or so, uh, we are going to be meeting as a church at North Point Elementary School uh, just down the road. That's where it all started. That's where our church started before we uh, built this. We're going to be having outdoor services uh, this summer, except our kids are going to be inside as they have awesome kid spaces uh, inside the building. And uh, we'd love for you to bring a lawn chair when you come, too, so you're not, I suppose you can sit on the grass if you want to, but I recommend a lawn chair. Uh, and we'll be back to three services next Sunday. So that's next Sunday. Don't come here next Sunday. You need a hard hat if you come here. They're going to be in construction. Uh, we'd love to see you at North Point Elementary uh, for the summer. Also next week, we are going to be starting our summer series, where once again, we're going to go to the Old Testament this summer. And this summer, we are going to teach through the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, which would be cool. If you're going, I don't really know anything about Zechariah, that's great. That's why we're teaching through it. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. So Zechariah prophesied about 500 years or so before Jesus. It's during the time of history when the Jews were coming back from exile and they were rebuilding the temple and such. And it has lots of prophecy and imagery and some really powerful verses. I think you're going to love it. It's one of my favorite books uh, from the Old Testament. Okay, uh, let's get into our message uh, for today. Uh, let me ask you a question. Are you awake? Uh, no. <laughs> yes, right. I, I, I want to ask specifically, are you awake spiritually? Not just literally, spiritually. Are you awake? You know, several times throughout the Bible... We see this metaphor where God warns against spiritual sleepiness. So what is that? Well, that's when you kind of succumb to this spiritual state where it's like you're walking through life and like, yeah, you know, I'm at church. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend. Here I am. I'm at church. But honestly, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, the Bible's great. I, mean, I don't really read the Bible personally, but it's good. Prayer, I mean, I, I don't personally really do that a whole lot. I don't evangelize or anything, but... God is good, and uh, I'll see you next Sunday, right? That's spiritual sleepiness. It's like a faith in God, but you've lost your passion for God. In fact, let, let me give you a little quick quiz, you know, like you're on social media or something, right? Uh, and uh, let's see how spiritual, spiritually sleepy you feel. How would you respond to these questions, okay? Number one, how excited are you on an average weekday to read the Bible, to get into God's Word? Number two, how passionate are you about talking with God every day? Uh, and, and number three, how grieved are you over your own sin? And, and number four, when you think about lost people in your life, your friends and family that don't know Christ, is your heart broken by that? Or are you just so focused on everything else that's going on in life that honestly you don't even think that much about it? 
Okay, how you answer those questions is going to give some sort of revelation to you on how sleepy you may be in your Christian faith. And today, I want to bring us to a passage, a passage in the Bible that is meant to counteract spiritual sleepiness, okay? So let's everybody grab a Bible together. They are under the chair in front of you, or they're under your chair if you're in the front row. We're going to be on page 776. And we are going to be in the letter of Romans in the Bible. Uh, Romans is a letter written by one of the early Christian leaders named the Apostle Paul. And he writes to uh, the early Christians in the big city of Rome. And he wants to make sure, in this particular passage, that none of them are falling asleep spiritually. So let's take a look. So you're going to find uh, big number 13, that's the chapter, and the small number 11, that's the verse. And we'll take a look at these four verses today. Okay, here's what he says. He says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, here's what I see Paul saying in this passage. This to me is is the main point of the text, and that is uh, this. We must wake up, put aside the deeds of darkness, and put on the armor of light. And why? Well, because the morning is coming. So Paul says that your salvation, now he's referring to that's when Jesus comes back or when we die and we meet Jesus and we're fully in the glorification of that salvation. That is coming, he says, soon. Meaning that day is closer than when you first believed. The morning is coming, the night is nearly over. Over Now, this theme, that tension of that, is actually a really important theme in the New Testament. Jesus himself tells multiple parables about it, in fact. So, for instance, uh, the parable of the ten virgins is a good example here from Matthew 25. So you have these ten virgins, and they all go out to meet the bridegroom for the wedding. And the bridegroom in this parable is, represents Jesus. And yet, the hour gets late, and it becomes dark. And all ten of them fall asleep. And then the call comes out that the bridegroom is here. And then they wake up from their slumber, and only five of them actually had oil to help light their lamps so they could go out and find the bridegroom and get to the wedding. And the other five miss it completely. And Jesus is teaching that they missed it because of their slumber and because they just weren't ready for it. And the Bible says you've got to be ready because you do not know the day and you do not know the hour that Jesus is coming back. But... Paul says it's nearer than you think. It's nearer than when you woke up this morning, right? And what if it is sooner than you think? Are you ready? If somehow you had secret insider information and you knew that Jesus was coming back in 2025, how differently would you live if you knew that? Depending on the timeline, that, or how we see the timeline impacts the decisions we make. It's like some of you, you got to wake up kids for school, right? Or you can remember back to those days or you're thinking ahead to them, whatever the case. But when you first wake up a kid, everybody's different, but most of us, you go into the room, you're like, hey, honey, sweetheart, it's time to wake up. 
We're going to have school today. Come down and get breakfast, okay? You, that's it. You go in. You're, you're, I'm sure you're a really nice parent, right? Well, you go back five minutes later and they're still asleep. You're not so nice anymore, okay? <laughs> so you walk in. You're like, are you serious? This is what it's like in my house. I'm like, are you serious? Like, you're still, get up. Let's go. We've got to eat breakfast. Come on. You're, everybody else is, let's go. And if you need to come back 15 minutes later and they're still in bed right now, okay, no more, hello, sweetheart, right? Now I'm saying, get out of bed right now. You get out of bed right now or you are walking to school barefoot <laughs> in the snow. I don't care that it's May, right? <laughs> I'll make snow, right? You just, you come back differently based on what the timeline is. And Paul is saying, and this is an important theme in the whole Bible, especially the New Testament, that we are to live, as Christ followers, we are to live like the night is nearly over, right? Like it's almost time to go. The times are growing urgent. So what if Jesus is coming back next year? What if your life is over after this summer? This is not the time, my friend, to be spiritually asleep. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus comes back tomorrow at 9.05 p.m., what would he find you doing? Will he find you living as if the day is urgent, as if morning is almost here? Or will he find you in those deeds of darkness that Paul talks about in verse 13. Look at verse 13 again. This is a tough verse. He says this, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. These clothes that Paul is talking about in verse 13, I would call them the pajamas of sin. They are the clothes of night. They're not the clothing of Jesus Christ. And in the Bible, whenever you see a knight, it almost always is this connotation for sin and for evil. And so here's really the second point of the text. It's we've got to wake up. We've got to put aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. Why? Well, because the morning is coming, but also because those pajamas of sin, Christian, those clothes of the night, they aren't for you. They're not for you anymore. Ephesians chapter 5 says it this way, to the Christian. It's, it's, it's addressing you as a Christ follower. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. And children of the light, children of the day, they don't wear the clothes of night. They don't wear the pajamas of sin. And so as Christians, we are called, when we, when we start following Jesus... To throw off those old ways, those old clothes we used to wear, and put on the new clothes of Jesus. We want to reflect him. We want to look like him. We want to talk like him. We want to walk like him in all that we do. Following Christ, being a Christian, it is not you keeping all your old clothes of sin, praying a nice prayer, and then now putting a button on over all your old clothes saying, I'm a Jesus follower. That's not it. It's to throw off the deeds of darkness and clothe yourselves in the ways of Jesus. And Paul takes it really far here. Look, look at verse 14. This is, this is everything. He says, verse 14, rather clothe yourselves, that's everything, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's not even don't live that out. It's don't even think about it. Why? Why would he say that? 
It's because if you're going to put on the armor of light, if you're really going to do battle, then you have to understand that the battle starts in your mind, not actually in your actions. Because what ends up being a sinful action always first originates in the mind, right? And so the battle actually is in the mind. What you think about, where you let your mind go. So where do you let your mind go when you're having that day where you feel really anxious? Or you feel like you're slipping back into depression? Or honestly, what if it's just you feel really lonely? Or just do you have a day that you're just so frustrated? Where do you let your mind wander and go in those moments? And Paul says those deeds of darkness, verse 13, don't even, don't even start thinking about it. Because if you start thinking about it, then you're going to start going there. And what about those deeds of darkness? Paul starts in verse 13 by warning about drunkenness or carousing. And carousing, that's not a word, unless you like speak in King James, that's not really a word we use a whole lot anymore, right? But essentially means to go out and get drunk with a whole lot of other people. Today we'd probably say partying or something like that. And by the way, can we just, is it okay if we just stop for a few minutes here and we just talk about this? Because personally, I don't think the American church is that good about talking and walking people through a Christian's relationship to alcohol anymore. Can we just talk about this for a couple of minutes? Okay, well, you can't really say no, so we're going to keep going for it. Okay, here's the deal. Because nowadays, I think, over the last 20 years, when we mention it, it's just really quickly in passing, or like in a list of other things, but we don't talk about it. And I think particularly for our young people, our Gen Z people, uh, some of our younger millennials, I think they're struggling a little bit. Well, what, how, as a Christian, how do I relate to alcohol? What do I do? So I think we've got to talk about it. Now, if you've been at this church more than a minute, you've heard me talk about the pendulum th- theory of history. So let's talk about history a little bit. If you go back to the early 1900s, and really the whole first half of the 1900s of the 20th century, the American church, when it talked about alcohol, and it did a lot, it only talked about alcohol as being a deadly poison from the devil. In fact, all the way up to really the 1970s, in most Bible-believing churches like this one, you couldn't even be a member if you touched alcohol in any way. It was spoken on very, very strongly. And then as we hit the the middle of the 20th century, especially to the latter half of the 20th century, many Christians began to say, you know what, that is too intense. I mean, we read in the Bible, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you should take a little wine for your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Jesus drinks wine. Goodness, Jesus' very first miracle is turning water into wine, right? And so we said, I think the church needs to relax on alcohol a bit, and it did. And that's because taking a biblical stance that says Christians in, no situ- in any situation should never drink ever, I think is not, int- even coming from a person, I don't drink, I don't drink alcohol, but even coming from me, that's not honestly an intellectually defensible position, biblically. And so what's happened then over the last 25 years, the standard Christian response, you just ask a person like, hey, wh- what, uh, how should Christians interact with alcohol? People will say, well, it, it's fine, Christians can drink alcohol. And what's happened then is our churches have gone from being obsessed with it, talking about it every single Sunday almost, to almost never talking about it. And I worry about that because I'm not sure that we know how to relate to it anymore, especially our young people. But the Bible does talk about alcohol a lot. We just saw it right here. And the Bible is very clear that getting drunk is sinful In no way does it reflect the clothes of Jesus Christ. And drunkenness leads to exponentially more sin. And honestly, 
Personally, I think it's in part because churches never talk about it anymore. I think that alcoholism is one of the big hidden secrets in suburbia right now. Uh, For those of you that you socialize, you hang out with your neighbors, some of you are pretty good at this. You hang out with your neighbors here in Blaine or Andover or wherever you live, where you just hang out, I'm not talking like your Christian friends, but just your neighborhood. How many people do you know in your neighborhood that when people are getting together can socialize without a drink in their hand nowadays? One? Two? I mean, this is the culture that we live in, and I cannot even begin to imagine behind closed doors how many people are struggling with alcoholism, and it is straining their marriage, and for some, it's beginning to wreck their family. And I just, I just want to say, as a Christian, if you are drinking, and let's say three or four times a year, yeah, it does lead to drunkenness. Then, then, then drinking is not for you. And that is true of any particular thing in Scripture. It doesn't need to be drinking. If that's something else, right, and three or four times a year it leads you into sin, then that thing is not for you. Maybe totally fine for someone else, but it's not for you if it's leading you there. And I think there are also plenty of people where it's not usually drunkenness, but it's an issue of frequency. So I think as you're thinking through, okay, how do I, as a Christ follower, how do I interact with alcohol? I think one of the questions is, is alcohol just something that you enjoy the flavor of, the taste of, socially, or is it something that you actually couldn't do without if you had to? Because typically, something that you can't do without is an idol. Paul, I believe, mentions alcohol in this passage because for many people, it is what is lulling them to sleep spiritually. So here's the deal. When you get to the kind of the end of your day, and let's say you've had a hard day, right? You're a human being. You're a Christian. I get it, but Christians have hard days, okay? And you get, you have a hard day. You're frustrated. You're tired. Things are going wrong. And maybe you're, you're lonely, you're anxious. We have feelings, okay? And when we have those feelings and you get in those spots, your God, here's the truth for you, your God wants you to bring those feelings, your heart, to him to take it out and put it on his surgical table and say, God, here's what's going on in my life. I'm so stressed from work. It's been crazy. Lord, help me. And your God wants to come in and heal your heart and work with you. That's what he wants from you. But the problem is... Most of us in suburbia were like, my day was so nutso. It was just crazy. You know what I need? I need a glass of wine. That's what I need. I need a glass of wine. Maybe two. Right? Or we say, it was just nuts. I had a couple deals went wrong at work today. I just, I need a beer. Or you're saying, I just can't sleep at night lately, so I need a... My friends, that is an idol. I know that's a hard word, but you, you come to this church because we give hard words, okay? I'm giving it to you now. That's, that, that's an idol because what that is is something is not right in you, and rather than turning to your God, you are turning to a drink. And that is what is lulling you to sleep spiritually. Do you understand that? Because rather than going to your God saying, this is what's going on in my heart, God, where he would bring you back alive, resuscitate your heart again, you're just turning to this and it is lulling you to sleep. All right, if you, if you are feeling kind of unsettled by this, and maybe your blood pressure is, is rising a little bit, uh, let, me, 
let me make it rise a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> if there's something about you that is just unsure right now, I actually want to, I want to challenge you to something. Because I think this will be a really helpful litmus test for you. I want to challenge every person in this room to not drink alcohol for the month of June. Okay? And if you get through June and you never drink, and you're going, oh, you know what, I actually kind of even forgot about it, then it's probably not a problem for you to interact with as a Christian. It probably just isn't. But if you get to day six and you had a crazy day at work and you're going home and you're like, I know I said I wouldn't for June, but I need that glass of wine, then I want you to reach out to us and I want, I want you to let us help you. If you're like, I need a beer, I need two beers. I want you to let us help you. I want you to reach out to your small group leader and say, this is going on in my life. Reach out to your elder, your house leader, and we will help you. We will help you get in a Christian recovery program. And if you're going, that's really intense. Just because like, I couldn't make through it a month, you want me like in a 12-step? Yes. Because the nature of that, if you can't go a month without that, the nature of that, it is progressive. And I've watched way too many people destroy their marriages from the inside out because they just had to have it. And first it was just one, and then it's two. And I just don't want that for you. And God doesn't want that for you. I want you to walk in the clothes and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Okay? Okay. All right, so Paul continues, and he lists these other challenging sins. Okay? This is a hard patch. Happy Memorial Day weekend, by the way. Okay. <laughs> He, he lists dissension, and he lists jealousy, and then he lists sexual immorality and debauchery. Okay, the Greek word he uses here for, for sexual immorality is actually one that just literally means sexual sin in a bed. That's what it means. Uh, it's, it's, it's talking about adultery, unfaithfulness. And then the word that the NIV translates debauchery here is actually the same Greek word, aselgia, that we talked a lot about in Jude, and in Jude, it was translated as licentiousness. It essentially means the same things. It's talking about people that feel that sexually they can do whatever they want. They have permission all across the spectrum to live and do whatever they want. Okay, that's America 2023, right? And Paul is saying, this is back to your thoughts again, that when you have those hard days and you're feeling lonely and sad, maybe you're feeling frustrated that you're not married. He's saying, in that moment... In your mind, do not think about how to gratify your flesh. Don't put your lies on, oh, if I was married to somebody else. You don't go there. You can't go there. The battle starts in your mind. Don't put your eyes on the addictive evils of pornography. By the way, you don't need to go to like some awful website anymore to see that. You can just watch like the latest Netflix drama, okay? And what Paul is saying is, Christians, these pajamas of sin... These nightclothes of evil, they are not fitting for you as representatives of Christ. And if you continue to do nothing about it, you're like, well, everybody else is watching that show. Or everybody, if you continue to do nothing about it, it is going to lull you into spiritual sleep. So many of us are asleep. And it's in part because we keep going to these idols of the world. As a pastor, and there's a lot of young people in this church, I worry greatly that the devil, like an evil hypnotist, is lulling an entire young generation to sleep right now with pornography. There are some of you young people in this room that God is calling you 
to be absolutely spiritual giants in his kingdom. He wants to do incredible things in your life. But the devil has you hypnotized on pornography. And it's just slowly sucking the spiritual life right out of you. And instead of you being out there changing the world for Christ, the devil has you on the sidelines in shame. But as your pastor, I say to you, wake up. Wake up, sleeper. You wake up from your slumber. And this is how you wake up. This is step one. You absolutely, you've just got to tell somebody. Right? Freedom is in the truth. Freedom is in confession. You just have to tell somebody. You've got to text your best friend today and say, hey, this is going on in my life. I need help. Maybe you need to text your small group leader. You've got to talk to Matt, our youth pastor. You've got to talk to your elder, your house group leader. Get help. Freedom is in the light. It isn't in the darkness. And you too, we, we don't talk in the church enough about how addictive lust is. Get recovery here too. There are great programs for this, right? Um, Eagle Book Church has an amazing uh, recovery program, Quest 180. Google it, check it out, walk in freedom. I just yearn for us as Christian believers, okay, whatever our issues are, and maybe those aren't your two issues, but we all got issues, okay? And I yearn for us to just wake up again as Christians in this country. Not, not just because our sin is wrong and it grieves God, and it does, but because those clothes of sin, they're not befitting of you. Okay, they don't look good on you. God has saved you for so much more to walk in those clothes of righteousness and goodness and holiness and self-control. I yearn for you to wake up because I know that God has such a greater call on your life than you just numbing out to drink every night, than you just zoning out to lust. Or for some of you, just every night, you're just zombifying yourself in binge-watching. Every night, that's what you do. That's how you live your life. Or every night, you're just endlessly scrolling. Listen to me. That is not why you are on earth. You weren't made for that. You weren't made to become a zombie to technology in sin. Wake up, sleeper. God has got something for you. He wants to move in you. He wants to use you. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to bring your heart to him. But you got to wake up. Otherwise, you're going to get another 20 years down the road, and you're going to go, I've been in a coma for 20 years. Wake up. And let God have your heart again and move in you again. And when you choose him, it, okay, it's not just this dichotomy of, okay, I'm going to put on the clothes of, of Christ or I'm going to put on the deeds of darkness. When you choose the clothes of Christ and you start putting Jesus in your mind every day, and every day you're bringing your heart and putting it on his table, he begins to transform your heart so that those deeds of darkness, they don't have the same pull on. And I want to say something specific, because in a room this size, there, there are a few of you who feel like, yes, David, I get it, but I, unlike the rest of the people in this room, they kind of messed up a couple times. I have really messed up. In a room this size, there are undoubtedly a few of you who you have had an affair. Maybe you are in an affair right now. I don't doubt that in a room of this size. Are you going, yeah, you're talking about people having a glass of wine. I have five glasses of wine every night. And the pajamas of sin are consuming you. And they are burying you in shame. And they are not only putting you to sleep. I know that the guilt that you are feeling is unbearable. And you, you, you need to hear my voice right now. The only way out of that is the hard way, but the good way, it is confession. You have to tell your spouse. I know you don't want to. I, I, I know it seems like the worst thing ever. You have to tell them. 
If it's an addiction, you have to tell a best friend. You have to tell. You cannot be in the light. You can't experience freedom when you keep it in the dark. You've, you've got to, okay? And I believe that God is calling you to that right now. And then you have got to know, listen to me, you have got to know that it is so critical that you come back right now to the forgiving arms of Jesus. And you need to know that his arms are wider than your sin. And so you can come back. You can come back. You know, in a moment, we are going to take communion together as a church. And one of the things that I know as a pastor is when we get communion, get to communion, there are always a few people in the room that say, no, this is not for me. You're a believer in Jesus, but they say, this is not for me because I have really sinned. I'm not, there's a nice family over there. This is for people like that. I saw that nice greeter on the way in, very you know, respectable. This is not for me. I have messed up. And I'm saying to you, this is precisely for you and for me. Because honestly, in comparison to the perfect and holy Jesus, we're all a mess, okay? But this is precisely for you. But you go, no, 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 I, but I did that. And whatever that is for you, you need to know that before Jesus went to the cross, he knew about that, okay? He saw that thing that you think makes you unworthy for him. He saw it, and he said, I will still give my life, my body and blood for that anyway. And so that's why you come, and that's why you receive communion in the goodness of his grace. You know, the Bible describes communion at Jesus' last supper this way. Luke 22, it says, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after the supper, he took the cup. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You know, communion is something that the Bible says is just for those who already believe. And so, if you're just checking out Jesus here this morning and you're not a Christian yet, then just skip this part. We're so excited you're here, but just skip this part of communion. But if you want to know more about following Jesus, we're going to have a follow-up team up here in the front right after the service today. You can come ask them any question you want. They would love to help you get into a relationship where you can know this Jesus of amazing grace. But for everyone else, this is a reminder. Communion doesn't save us. It's not like an experience of forgiveness. But it's a reminder to us that Jesus Christ saw everything that we've ever done and yet gave his body and blood. And I don't know about you, that's what makes me want to wake up Right? It isn't just this sort of moral pushing of, hey, do better. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that I'm a mess and he came and he loved me anyway and wants to walk with me right now. That's what makes me want to wake up. It is the goodness of God. And so here's what we're going to do. There are four communion tables here in the front and then there are two in the back. At any time during these last two songs, I want you to get up. Uh, you can take a piece of bread. You can dip it into the juice. Serve yourself communion. If you do need a gluten-free, there are little gluten-free chalices here in the front. But we've got two songs today after the message because I want you to take some time to just kind of, don't, please don't everyone just stand up right at the beginning of the song. Just sit down for a while, okay? And just reflect. Talk with God. Maybe there's something you need to confess. Maybe you need to just hear and receive his forgiveness. And maybe you even, some of you need to make a plan of who, what person are you going to confess to today? In fact, some of you actually think you need to get your phone out during these songs, and you need to text someone, and you need to say, can we talk this afternoon? Because what will happen is that, that conviction you're feeling from the Holy Spirit right now, you're going to leave this room, and then later today, you're going to like, oh, I'm not going to do that. So you just, you, you just out yourself right now, okay, and text someone and say, can you help me? I want to talk.
Seek the Lord. Seek his forgiveness. While you're up, if you need prayer, we'll have a prayer team in the back corners too. We'd love to pray over you today, okay? We just want you to encounter Jesus because he is alive. All right, let me pray. God, thank you for your grace that even when we really, really, really stray, as far as we can stray, we cannot out your grace. We're so grateful that you gave your body, you gave your blood for us. And Lord, I pray as a church that you would just wake us up, that we would be different than everybody else in suburbia, that we wouldn't just zone out on all of these things, that we would be passionate, awake, and alive for your gospel. It's in your name we pray. Amen.